Hello, I'm here with Esha Metiari, and I would love for Esha to introduce herself before I uh, interview her. Yeah, let's quickly do that. Um, I'm Esha, I'm 31, and currently I'm a conversation designer at Ball.com, uh, which is one of uh, the Netherlands' biggest retailers, and I'm also a consultant at Independer. Awesome. Very happy to be here. Yeah, super. Thank you so much. So I don't know if you've seen some of these... Uh, interviews I've been doing so far, but I start with a quick fire quiz. Mm -hmm. The last time, you know, uh, Emily Uematsu-Bantaf managed to do it in 30 seconds. Jason took 15 minutes <laughs> for, <laughs> for combined, like, th well, it wasn't quite, it was maybe 12 minutes for three questions. So it should have been about a minute mm -hmm. and a half. And of course, it doesn't really matter. The most important thing is that you you uh, give your, your honest answer and hopefully someone takes something useful from it. But please aim for roughly 30 seconds. Okay. Mm -hmm. Can I give you the first one? Definitely. Awesome. Okay, Aisha. So please tell me, what is the most useful thing you use at work? Well, honestly, it's it's not a thing. It's people. And the people that surround me are most useful because conversation design is teamwork and it's so valuable to discuss your ideas and your work with people who are in and outside your team to get that new perspective. Yeah, perfect. That's an amazing answer. Uh, and can you give, I know this is like a sub question, which I didn't warn you about, but it's very interesting for me. Can mm. you give a rough idea of how many people you have to interact with? To do your job, probably. I, I yeah. think at least four or five. Okay, super. And then that doesn't include uh, the user research and so no, on, right? No, so, no. Yeah, but they are, the people who are working within your team, four or five. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. Amazing answer. Such a good answer that you've given me so many other thoughts. <laughs> um, so, Esha, second question. Please, what surprised you most when you first started designing conversations? That one is simple. What you think the customer will say is never actually what the customer says. It's always something different. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You really can't predict, right? Mm -mm. Not, not just the way they'll, you know, they might say a response that's in line with what you expected, but they might say it in a completely different way, or they might just say something completely different. How people work. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating. I, I often feel like, People who think conversation design is easy or simple, we should just say to them, go and look at your like WhatsApp messages and mm -hmm. see if if you actually predicted what your conversation partner was going to say next. Because yeah. it's it's basically impossible, right? <laughs> it is, it is. Yeah. Cool. I know that I'm bogging you down here. You're you're perfectly given like succinct answers and I'm making these last for ages. That's okay. <laughs> Cool. So, may I ask the third one? Mm -hmm. Cool. <clears throat> Please, can you nominate one conversation designer that we should all know about? And extra bonus points if it's someone who isn't generally well-known. <laughs> um, well, I'd like to nominate the whole community, of course, but that's not the answer you're looking for. I just want to give a big shout-out to every conversation designer and everyone in the conversational space because it's such a happy, little, lovely community. But if I'd have to nominate one person, it would definitely be Coraline Krak. She's okay. on the top of my list. Um, cool. She's a colleague of mine. Sadly, she's leaving the company uh, within a couple of weeks. But okay. 
she taught me so much, not only about the daily chatbot business, but also she's guided me um, on my path of personal growth. So definitely Coralina. Okay, cool. Great answer. Cool. And uh, the great thing is that I've never come across her before. So now I'm going to have to go and check her out. That's excellent. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So that was 30 seconds ago. And I think you passed with flying colors. I, Mm. I think absolutely spot on. So great start. Um, so now let's go into the, the actual full interview. Um, mm-hmm. I Maybe to give this a bit of context, I was at Voice 22 in Arlington and I was speaking with Micah Kronofeka and Claire Van Leuven. I think that's how you pronounce her surname. I'm not a little sure. bit, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so not at all, but um, uh, so I was chatting with them. And I was saying to them, you know, VOX World, Kane uh, asked me to start this podcast series uh, interviewing conversation designers. And they both said, speak to Esha Metiari. And I was like, all right, great, cool. Um, and uh, like, what, what might she want to talk about? And they said that you have made some like really insightful points around uh, whether bots should have political opinions. Um, I have, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so that, like, for me, this is a fascinating topic because uh, it touches on many things like branding and persona and, of course, utterance writing. And I think uh, many designers at some point will probably face this challenge of, like, should I incorporate uh, political content or some kind of political element into the bot and what mm-hmm. uh you know what might the repercussions be so this is super exciting um i think we should start quite general just to make sure we're you know i'm understanding where you're coming from with this mm-hmm. so please esha could you tell me what does the term persona mean to you and maybe specifically with bots yeah um well it's it's a facade, isn't it? It's it's how we perceive one another, um, what we choose to present to the outside world, and I think Carl Jung describes it as a mask that as a mask that changes uh, within certain contexts or circumstances, um, and all the world's a stage, and we're all merely players. Um, so yeah, facade, the persona is a facade. Okay, cool. And so within you know within the practical terms of uh, designing this facade uh you know what what do you feel is the purpose of uh, a bot having the persona or facade mm-hmm. it's multifaceted uh, i have a, a, a lot of purposes and a lot of goals for a bot's persona but for me it's the heart of the chatbot um it's what gives it its purpose um its mm-hmm. soul um a bot persona is not only what makes a bot understandable or maybe even likable to the customer but um Creating a bot persona also gives us conversation designers the major benefit to actually step into the shoes of the brand we're designing for. Um, so I'm um, talking about the Dutch market, and I don't know how it is outside of the Netherlands, but here teams are changing all the time. People moving from job to job, either getting laid off or our teams are expanding. We all need to know the bot that we're designing for by heart, the brand that we do it for. Um, new colleagues need to be onboarded. They need to familiarize themselves with things like tone of voice and characteristics, motivations. 
Um, so for me, it's really important to understand that I'm not the only one working on the chatbot. And uh, so having a document or a guide that describes the persona on hand is very useful to onboard new team members. Yeah, I totally get you. Um, but there's more if you want to know it. There, I, I have would love a to lot know of reasons. Yeah. Um, secondly, it saves us time and prevents double work. Mm-hmm. Um, so we won't be going back and forth uh, discussing certain characteristics or standard vocabulary or a particular way of writing. It's all there in a the persona guide, like some kind of absolute truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And about absolute truth, it's very, very important to keep that within the company because a lot of companies struggle to retain good colleagues, but they also struggle with retaining good knowledge. Yeah. About persona that's known by all um, ensures the safety of knowledge and possibly also the expansion of it. So you can't prevent leaving um, you can't prevent people leaving your company, um, but you can prevent or at least minimize a knowledge leak. So why not use it? Um, and if we're speaking about businesses and companies, then for me, it shows a certain degree of maturity. Having a persona shows that a brand has put some good thoughts in uh, core values, target audiences, appearances and goals. Um, and if your brand or company hasn't done it, it will show in how the bot presents itself. So again, mm-hmm. that facade. Yeah. Um, and one major thing, one major driver for me to create or have a bot persona is our big friends, stakeholders. They are very mm-hmm. important. Having a bot persona and being able to explain all this, what you're doing and why you're doing it and why the bot is doing the things it does to your stakeholders um, will create a support base with them um, and uh, probably get you some good money to expand your work further. And it contributes to making the bot understood by the whole company and making it an integral uh, part of your communication strategy. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Dolly, there's you've you've touched on many things that I would love to know more about. Because um, there's one word you 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 used which I don't hear often in our industry, and that was soul. You were talking about the bot soul, mm-hmm. and um, you know I think that could be a very interesting area. But also, as you were talking, um, you were saying that you know the the team like members leave people come and go but the bot has to stay consistent and i was starting mm-hmm. to just imagine that essentially we are building or designing creating a new employee for the company definitely yeah so the reasons i just named it's all about um why using a bot persona internally but there are also a lot of external reasons and um, so what can we say about the use of a bot persona to the outside world? Um, our customers, which are actually most important. Yeah. Um, I think that we're incredibly good at pigeonholing. Um, gives us the capability to understand the world around us by making these um, subconscious connections and, and discovering patterns between things or humans or basically everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so most neurotypical people aim to close the distance, a gap between themselves and living and non-living things like um, how do I familiarize myself with that? And we humans do this automatically. And as a conversation designer, you want to prevent your customers attributing characteristics to your chatbot. You want to be in charge of that narrative as much as you can. Um, So don't let the customer decide your bot's persona. So very clearly document the persona, let it work for you. Um, 
And this will work for your brand and propagating your brand, whether it's um, internal branding or external branding, your digital human, your voice assistant or your chatbot is that essential part of your company and brand. The thing you just uh, you just said. You know, you're talking about uh, having the bot persona like clearly documented mm -hmm. and having this um, like basically imagining this character and then mm -hmm. kind of making it concrete. Mm -hmm. Yes. Can you tell me, you know, when you're imagining this character and I, I, I don't mean, you know, like how, how would you uh, advise people go through that process of imagining this persona like would you recommend that they think of a human of a person or are we aiming for something else this is probably my most favorite question in the whole industry because i find it fascinating yeah it's a difficult one um it should never really be human uh but definitely humanized mm -hmm. um like I said, we're looking for that connection with uh, animate and inanimate things, um, attributing characteristics to inanimate objects or animals or plants. Um, and it's called, it's a difficult word, and I never can pronounce it, uh, anthropomorphism. Yeah, um, that one. <laughs> it's a hard one. So the thing is, and it's a couple of things actually, you can never create a round character for a chatbot because the basics of a round character is that they go through a certain development. Um, they evolve as a, as a person or as a character. And a chatbot can never really actually do that. But we can give it a backstory. It can understand the, the user's needs or it can uh, actually um, express its own needs. Um, but then we could never make it actually human and we shouldn't aim for that because i don't have to tell you anything about the uncanny valley yeah. um but it also has to deal with the type of, of of users that we have so i think what we've been discussing so far we're kind of setting the the scene for going a bit deeper into certain areas mm -hmm. and um you know considering uh political opinions you know the the topic that I would really like to get into with you. Um, mm -hmm. So when we're talking about political opinions, what exactly are we talking about? So inside the chatbot spectrum or outside of it? Is it different? I think it is. Um, okay. Because we or I just established that a chatbot should never be human, humanized, but never human. Um, and there are a couple of things in play here. So first of all, I think that a bot, when it comes to small talk, because this is what it is, small talk, um, should never speak when not spoken to. Mm -hmm. Um, so it will only say something when prompted. Um, yeah. so there is a lot of state to say about that, but we can also say something about what's the use of having your chat bot being able to ventilate that political opinion or not, um, and what use is it? Um, and the majority of your users will probably use your bot for a supported use case or uh, to solve a problem. Um, but there will also be a significant group that will test the capabilities of the bot and about simply answering questions like, how's the weather? Or what's your name? Or I don't understand. We know that by now. Um, 
and uh, it won't cut it anymore. So there are a lot of customers that take the extra step and will try to test or, or lure out the character of the bot by asking them these difficult questions because that's what they are. Yeah. And that's basically where we get into the, how much should I call it? The, the rules of a discussion because um, the rules of a basic rule of the discussion is that um, both parties are receptive to what the other is saying, which is almost never the case uh, in an online discussion or an online disagreement. Um, so also the bot cannot be receptive. It can hear the customer, but it can never actually do something with the customer says. Also, research has found that when a discussion is about politics or religion or something else that is fairly different from person to person, um, there is no receptiveness. Um, so it's it's not it's not a fair debate. It's not a fair discussion. Yeah. But I still do think that chatbots should answer political questions or at least have a political opinion. Yeah, it makes me think that if somebody asks a bot uh, a political question, they're basically asking the brand that owns the bot that question. Yes. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Um, so, yeah, as a brand, if you are engaged or politically inclined, definitely answer that question as, as if your, bat, your bot should, uh, does answer it. Um, but if your brand does not engage in public debate at all, uh, or it never has, it's safe for the bot to drop the question. Um, hey. Then again, uh, as a conversation designer, I, I, I must say that please don't design the conversation um, to have the bot say, I don't understand, um, but, up, but up for something neutral, like I cannot help with that. Yeah, yeah, I get you. Because and, the word understand has many connotations, right? It, it can mean like explicitly understanding the words or the meaning, yes. but it can also be something like, I don't understand you. I don't understand what, uh, who you are or, or something else. Brilliantly put. Yeah, that's exactly it. What I'm thinking here is, uh, are bots inherently apolitical from the start? Like, is, is a bot, as soon as it's created, a political being? Or is it kind of a blank slate in, in that area? They are a blank slate, yeah. They are yeah. the way we design them to be. Yeah, it just, the only reason... I'm wondering a bit more about this is because of the discussions around like sexual politics mm -hmm. with uh, the feminization of, I don't know if that's the best word, but basically most voice assistants have a female voice mm -hmm. and uh, uh, the, the way that that sort of interacts with society and how we communicate with these basically subservient uh, robots, but they're, characterized as female mm -hmm. so i think that maybe for me that's that's the only area where the bot a voice bot from the start actually has some kind of political uh meaning political you know impact it has I, I'm not, and it does yeah. yeah um there are a lot of companies that try to design their bot and their persona or voice assistant um from the get-go to be neutral and inclusive uh, but when designing, you, at least I do, you always put up your design in front of a, a jury 
the customers and let mm -hmm. them judge what you've designed for them. I actually know of a company that designed a male uh, black chatbot and um, oh. asked the, the, the customers what they actually thought of the persona they've designed. And the customers came back that, yeah, when we chat with you, this company, we expect a white blonde female. And oh. as much as they love their original design, the customer is essentially what you're designing for. So they went with the white blonde female. Yeah, yeah, that's a really tricky one because they were. Mm -hmm. It sounds like they were really trying to be, uh, to to consider you know, all the possibilities rather than the sort of stereotypes that we've been working with. But the customers yes. wanted what's kind of like the stereotype for our industry. Yeah, but then the, the the question for you is: Do you think that as a conversation designer we should um, break away from that and and ignore the customer in this matter? That's a really good question. Um, I my my answer to that, <clears throat> um, from what from what I understand about the industry now, is that we're going to get to the point where our personas are the personas we design. Sorry, are going to be more fluid and actually mm -hmm. uh, personalized to different customers' needs. Mm -hmm. But but that still sounds like science fiction because uh, I think. Like then the question would be how our conversation designer is going to create like I don't know a hundred personas or or something like that. Um, it's totally possible. It's just uh, going to be uh, like really casting for a movie or something. You know, like yeah. getting a huge roll call. Um, totally possible, but definitely a bit more complex. So that would be my personal answer to that. Um, and what would you say? Well, you, you you hit the spot when you said it, we live in an age of, of personalization, I think even hyper-personalization. Um, so we aim to, to, to design everything that we do as good as, as it fits to the customer's needs. But I do think that there's still some responsibilities left with the companies, with the brands to actually educate or, or force a particular view on their, um, on their customers. Um, so there's this particular um, type of, of a brand or company, and they're called disruptors. Mm -hmm. uh, disruptors, they basically do what they want. And if you don't agree or you don't like it, then, well, thank you, but you don't need to be our customer then. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's not a new way of thinking, but I think that this is also a discipline or, or, or at least a thought that we can apply to our chatbots. If this is not the way you like things to be done, and well, thank you, but this is what we stand for, and we mm -hmm. won't change it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great point. I think um, for like some brands would be afraid of that, right? Because oh, they're they're like, we should be open to everybody because we basically want as many customers as possible. But mm -hmm. I think uh, I'm now trying to think of an example. But if you see a brand making a stance, it often makes me uh from my experience feel more strongly about that brand about how much i like them definitely um, yes yeah so you, you, you either like them or you're not and if you do it creates this certain kind of loyal loyalty you will return to that brand over and over yeah it this is super interesting because it you know it makes me think of because essentially the bot the persona we're making um yeah, from the outset, you basically do have to consider 
that some people just aren't going to like this thing because we have that experience when we meet new people, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a sort of chemistry thing. And as much as we try to be open and, you know, get on with as many people as possible, sometimes there's just no click. Um, but still the bot has to be useful because it's, you oh, know, it's, it's purpose. It's really, yeah, like this is such a fascinating area. I love this. I love this. Um, what I would say is, considering the counter-argument, wouldn't it be better for bots to just stay completely out of politics? Because these are basically discussions that are as old as time and they, they keep continuing and maybe it would make our jobs a lot easier <laughs> if we just didn't oh, engage. <laughs> well, life wasn't meant to be easy, right? Um... No, sure. I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> um, so stay out of politics or, or um, socially um, difficult topics, social difficult topics. Yeah. Again, speak when spoken to. Um, and, and if they're not prompted to give a response, then they shouldn't. But I also believe that um, chatbots or voice assistants should never enable or enforce hurtful stereotypical views. Um, of course, there's a small chance of, of chatbots leading or changing people's minds, but um, they can be outspoken if something happens or they, they uh, get a reply from a customer that is not inherently good-natured, then yes, they can speak up. But mm -hmm. always from the brand's perspective, they never should educate the customer, never uh, do it on a personal note, or um, it should always be what the brand thinks or what the brand believes. And uh, the bot has to ensure that that is reflected in the way it responds. Yeah, totally, totally. The thing that just popped into my head is that silence is making a stance. You know, if the bot is silent on a point, it's basically saying, uh, not explicitly, but saying for some reason we're not going to talk about that. Exactly that, or yeah. I can't answer that, or just like that. Indeed, yeah, I agree. no, totally. Wow, wow. Um, one thing that I'm wondering though, like, um, slightly less playing devil's advocate, but considering uh, kind of from an empathetic point of view, mm -hmm. if if bots. If we chose to not have bots speak politically, couldn't that kind of engender a sort of safe space for users where they know that they're they're coming here to get something done and they know that basically like this isn't the arena for politics. We're just going to keep that out and, uh, you know, everybody's going to have a good time and nobody's mm -hmm. going to get hurt. <laughs> Can you elaborate on that a little bit further? Yeah, sure. Um, so... <clears throat> considering that, you know, if I walk out the door uh, and, you know, I live in the Czech Republic, but could ha could happen anywhere. Um, if I walk out the door and bump into someone on the street, there could, you know, there, there's a chance that uh, if we start talking, we might disagree on something mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, like uh, race uh, gender, class, whatever, um, you know, any kind of sort of political arena. Um, and so <clears throat> that's, that's a given when I speak with a, with a person mm -hmm. that, that we could get into those topics. 
And so if we're designing bots and we have the choice whether to include that or not, uh, isn't there an argument for leaving it out so that users who might be struggling with these things in uh, their normal day-to-day life, when they come to the bot, they know that uh, they're, they're just, um, like, as a sort of, as a standard, like, bots just don't talk about that. But then the customer wouldn't talk about it either because they know that the bot wouldn't give, an, give a response or an answer. Yeah, that's that's sort of what I'm I'm aiming at. That if if our industry was in a, I don't know. I guess it would have to be explicit agreement because someone's always going to go ahead and do it anyway and make a very political bot. Mm. But but if we were in some sort of agreement that you know our bots, uh, we we agree that bots just won't talk about politics, and then customers would learn over time that that's basically uh, sort of what you don't talk about with bots, you don't get into politics. I'm, I know that I'm, I'm creating a quite vague scenario that would require the agreement of an entire like international industry, which is quite absurd. I'm aware of that. But as a what-if scenario, um, wouldn't it be nice that bots would be a safe space for users where, where politics aren't on the menu? So if we're speaking about bots only... Then yes, definitely. I think that all people, everyone, should have a place to vent or to just feel safe, uh, regardless of your background, race, age, gender, and everything. Um, however, on the other side of the chatbot horse assistant or digital human is us, and as a person, I feel that this should not happen. Um, we we as a, as as people cannot stay quiet. Uh, in case of abuse or or um, when something is going on that is socially unacceptable. And I think that we could let that shimmer through in our chatbots because also I think that we wouldn't be designing for that brand or designing that product if we did not agree with what that product stands for. So yes, a bot should be in nature a safe space, but as we're designing it, we should not agree with that. Yeah, wow, you are given such amazing answers. This is wonderful. I, I, guess, I think that this is very unsatisfying because it's not an, a black or white yes or no answer. Well, that's politics, right? Um, it is. Pol- political discussions so easily get into this kind of binary yes, no, like Republican, Democrat, uh, you know, in Britain, Tory, Labour, uh, you know, like so easily gets into that. But it's always the shades of uh, colour in between. You know, it's definitely. Yeah, definitely. yeah. So I I don't believe that anyone should do anything that goes against their own beliefs. Um, of course, within the moral and legal limits. But when you, as a designer, get to ask to design dialogues or to leave them out, um, or anything that you don't wholeheartedly agree with, then you should politely refuse. That is not the place for you. Yeah. Wow. Super cool stuff. So. We've spoken about the the reasons for uh, bots to have politically aware material. Can I say it mm-hmm. that way? Does that make sense? Um, mm-hmm. So those are the reasons why you you might want to consider, like any conversation designer might want to consider this in their designs. So mm-hmm. taking that a step further, if they did decide they were going to do that, how would you recommend they approach it? Because of course, this is a very sensitive area. 
So how would you recommend a conversation designer approaches integrating political content into their design? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so first of all, I think you need to go back to um, what your brand does. And so if your brand does not engage in public debate at all, and it never has, um, it's safer for the bot to just not answer the question or to drop it. Mm-hmm. Um, if it does engage in, in, in public debate, then um, the same standard should be applied to a bot. So the answers that the company gives in public uh, or in its commercials or in the merchandise it has, that can be applied to the bot as well. Um, yeah. But if this condition applies, then the conversation designers should still be very wary about what subjects subjects to discuss and which not. Um I, I, I'm trying to think of a company that has done one thing for one thing. That doesn't sound right. Uh, I'm trying to think of a company that has spoken up about a certain subject, but hasn't spoken up about anything else. Um, but I cannot tell or say anything from the top of my mind. But the thing I'm trying to say is that you cannot go all out on, for example, Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Um but not have any answers to gender debate, uh, gender debate related questions. Yeah. Um, so you have to be very wary about that. Yeah, totally. I totally get you. It's like, why, why do they care so much about one subject? When... Yeah, yes. Yeah. 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 And so I guess for a conversation designer facing this challenge, you kind of have to hope that perhaps the marketing and legal teams have documentation on uh, the, the brand's stances on things. Otherwise, yeah. it's it's going to be a lot of research, which of course is totally valid and should be done. It's just uh, even deciding where to start. Um, yeah, but it's um, it's fascinating. Hopefully, hopefully that work has already been done for you. Should <laughs> and be. And all you should need to be. do is, is design the conversation. Yeah, exactly. Because the worst case scenario would be designing for a brand that has a kind of scatter scattergun approach to oh, politics. Yeah. That would be like, how can I draw a line that averages between all of these views? It's it's yeah, that would be a challenge. Yeah, well, that's that's an interesting uh, topic for our next discussion: is how to break through all the silos that we have in a company because a chatbot is somewhere down the line in communications or digital, maybe somewhere, but it should be an integral part of your company's communication strategy and of your company in a whole. Yeah, no, totally. I'm glad you suggested that because that's (laughs) actually touches on what I was saying earlier in in our conversation. So I think I should probably just uh, interview you on it again, which is how many people does it take to make a bot? Because I think that would be super useful for people even beyond designers. But... In, so I'll, I'll um, are you up for that? Ah, <laughs> uh, can I think on? Can I sleep on that, please? <laughs> no, no. I, I've loved this conversation so far, and um, yeah, why not? Cool. I totally put you on the spot. I'm sorry for that. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> um, but uh, of course, we can cut this if you want to. Um, uh-uh. but last, last question. So we spoke about, you know, if a designer had to write uh, politically aware material for a bot and how they might approach that. And let's take that example scenario even further and imagine 
a designer who has to write politically aware material that they don't agree with. They don't personally agree with. Uh, That's a very tricky situation to be in, right? Because as a writer for a bot, you sort of have to, you have to kind of emulate the bot in your own mind, like slightly become it to think how it would say these things. Mm-hmm. How how would like what what do you think about that? How do you think a, a designer might approach that? I well, as a designer, you have to agree with your product one hundred percent. So in this market, I know there are a lot of tech layoffs, but we conversation designers are a rare species. Um, you'd have to think to yourself, is this the kind of company that I want to work for? Is Are these the kinds of conversations I want to design? Um, is this really what my company wants? So please open the conversation with the, the, the one that gave you the assignment to design those conversations. And if the answer is still yes, we want you to design that, I think that it is time to reconsider your position with that company and find something that you or a company that actually makes you happy and makes something that you believe in. Yeah. Um, so still, yes, I would uh, politely refuse. I wouldn't. No, I, I totally get you. I totally get you. I think, you know, yeah, that's basically a personal political stance, right? Mm-hmm. Because someone could be in the position that they're basically kind of stuck in that job. It does happen, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, not seeing their other options. So they're like... I'm not sure if I can leave here, uh, so I'm going to have to build this. But I I don't expect you to be able to advise them on how to do that because that's a real uh, challenging crisis, right? Oh, definitely. But can you actually ever design design something that's good if you don't agree with it? It's a very good question. Um, I think, you know, I think you can always take every design exercise as a learning experience. So Mm -hmm. even if you don't agree with it or, I mean, if you don't believe in it, then basically the thing, you probably have fundamental reasons for that and you might think it's a doomed concept Mm -hmm. and that's why you don't believe in it. But I think you can learn something from anything and the most challenging projects are maybe the ones where you learn the most. Um, But... Yeah, I I mean, if I was faced with that, where I had to write something that I fundamentally didn't agree with its politics, like, you know, speaking honestly, if I had to design a bot for Donald Trump, uh, I would struggle. (laughs) I would really struggle. Um, So, yeah, I I think uh, as much as I would treat it as a learning exercise, it might be, yeah, basically like you have to just say this is a job for someone else. Good, yeah. Yeah. So it it doesn't necessarily have to be something you learn about designing, but it's more about your personal growth. And I think there's a lot to be gained from understanding what doesn't make you happy or doesn't make you take um, uh, instead of uh, learning what does make you happy. Because what does make you happy is easier to understand. It's usually smaller. And if people are asked what doesn't make you happy or... or, um, what is it that that yeah um, that breaks you away from a job? They usually aren't able to to tell those things. So it's a valuable learning learning experience. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Well, Esha, this has been brilliant. So much great stuff. 
Um, it it feels like anything I touch on, you're going to bring some great insights and points. So thank you very much. It's been wonderful 